0: Governments around the world have committed to eradicating hunger by 2030. Due in part to the many injustices in the global food production system, the world has not made consistent progress towards achieving this goal in recent years. And this was even before the coronavirus pandemic, which could push as many as an estimated 121 million people back into hunger. Oxfam has been challenging the injustices in the global food system. In this episode, we'll look at how Oxfam and partners support citizens to raise their voices, to demand fairer food systems and better agricultural policies.
1: Welcome to Impact Talk from the Impact Measurement and Knowledge team at Oxfam Novib.
0: I'm Lisa Heckman,
1: And I'm Patrick Geyer.
0: And we're your hosts for this four-part series exploring the impacts, challenges and learnings from the last five years of Oxfam's work on raising citizens' voice.
1: This series focuses on what we're learning from the program, Towards a worldwide influencing network that Oxfam Novib has led in a strategic partnership with the Center for Research on Multinational Corporations and the Dutch Ministry of Foreign Affairs.
0: My guests today are Saratu Abiola, Advocacy Project Coordinator, Oxfam in Nigeria, and Asisa Man, Land Governance Coordinator, Oxfam in Cambodia. Saratu and Asisa, thank you both so much for joining us today on Impact Talk. Sure.
2: You are welcome.
0: So, Sarata, my first question to you is just to give our listeners some context. Uh, so, if realizing the right to food is the goal, what are the policy themes we need people to raise their voices on to achieve this in your countries?
3: So, for my um, in Nigeria, for the main issues are improved access to agricultural inputs, which also ties to climate resilience as well. Um, Improved access to climate information, something that, we're, that, we, that we spent the whole year doing this year as well. Um, these issues also affect women and men, just in, in terms of degree. They just differ in terms of degree, but it's the same thing, really. Also land issues, land rights as well. But I um, I, I admit that we haven't really done land rights in Nigeria, been focusing on other equally important things. Um, access to finance is major. Um, because a lot of our farmers are subs- subsistence level and agriculture is one of the lowest levels um, of um, access to finance in Nigeria. I think only 3% of of all loans and grants are given to f- um, agricultural sector. So yeah, that's a major thing for us as well. Um, another thing from that I'm, I'm realizing is a really big thing is uh, improved transparency on the budget because the government, national as well as sub-national, they all do... Um, they all have agricultural budgets, but we realise that budget expenditure on these budgets is oftentimes as low as 20%. They don't spend money
0: on agriculture. And Asisa, what are some of the main policy themes in Cambodia? The
2: policy focus that we are into one are related to to secure rights to land or land tenure security to a smallholder farmer and especially specific woman. So, we work toward um, securing their rights to be and also to have a free access and control on the rice and also on the natural resources around. Because when people have uh, control over their land, they would be able to grow food on their land. And they, this could be, they would be contribute to um, a food security of a small landholder farmer. On the other hand, we also uh, focusing uh, as well on the um, responsible agri investment and uh, uh, from the which uh, company that invest in a uh, huge land and uh, agriculture production, because um land conflict in Cambodia majority uh, happen because of the. Uh, overlapping boundary between the company that received a huge land concession through the economic land concession scheme from the government and overlapping with the local community. So this is what we work uh, with the company, the private sector, to, um, to, to ask them to take responsible uh, investment.
0: All right, so my second question to you is 2.3 million citizens have raised their voices on right-to-food activities. What achievements are you most proud of in your countries?
2: Um, The achievement that um, the Right-to-Food Project in Cambodia has made, um, not only myself but also the partner being proud of, is that we have been able to influence the government of Cambodia on some specific policy change during the policy formulation formulation and uh, development. Uh, for example, um, we are, we were able to influence the um, draft law on uh, agriculture land management where the law seemed to not favor the small-scale uh, farmer but uh, rather to favor the... Um, private sector investment in large scale equity investment so we advocate for the uh, drop of the law and it been uh, suspended and also the government announced the drop of the law
3: and Saratu how about you in terms of what I'm proud to achieve or to have achieved um, for me it's it's about having farmers understand um, the linkage between the um, uh, the the the, um, the outcomes of our cultural policy and the electoral process, um, understanding their place as political actors. You know, um, you um, j- just because you're a farmer doesn't mean that you get to um, ignore elections when they're happening. Um, there are good times to engage with government to say, "Hey, these are the issues that we're facing," you know, um, and extract com- commitments from them. And to take advantage of the situation and kind of understand yourself to be a political actor. And, and it's not enough for someone to promise you something, but to follow up mm-hmm. on that promise.
0: And, and why is this so important?
3: Um, the policy outcomes are and um, the your experience of government, I like to call it the user experience of government of governance, is um is directly tied to your engagement with it.
0: So, Soratio and Asisa, could you explain what exactly is the relation between citizens raising their voice and the right to food? Asisa, could you maybe say something about this?
2: So, this is the outcome that we have uh, strongly, and also here in Cambodia, I would say we, uh, our partners have really had a skill and expertise in um, increased citizen voice and ability to do advocacy and this is very very
0: relevant to the um, right to food outcome. Okay and Saratu how do you see this? I would say that um, I agree with Asisa. I mean
3: it's it's important for farmers and for um, um, for citizens to raise their voice in terms of food security related challenges because um, issues concerning agricultural productivity are directly linked to our ability to feed ourselves in our communities. Um, you know, If your cultural productivity is low, if um, the government is not get, um, uh, making um, policies that make sense, given climate change, if they're not doing all of these things, the people that know um, are the people on the ground in the communities who can tell you, hey, you know, you're know, you not doing enough. You know, This is what you said you're going to do. This is what you've not done. Um, this is what you need to do better going forward. Um, and um, they're, they're the ones who can raise the awareness.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned the importance of policies because I would like to ask you something about that. I heard about a proposed right to food law in Nigeria. Why is this law so important? Well, if it gets passed, we
3: and we're pretty optimistic that it will get passed, um, it means that the government um, has to, um, is, 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 ma- is mandated to act on, you know, on food security as a right of the people. Um, so it's not just a nice to have anymore. It's something that the government has to act on. just the same way the government has to act on internal security of its people. Just the same way the government you know has to act on human rights. Um, it means that um, that it, it, it bec- it's become a, a constitutional right for Nigerians, which is very important in terms of recognition of the importance of food security and entrenching political will for, for issues concerning food security and improved productivity in Nigeria.
0: Um, I would like to now ask both of you to reflect on some of the challenges surrounding mobilizing citizens to raise their voice. What would you say has been the greatest challenge in your context?
2: for the context of, of Cambodia um, the challenge here i would focus on internal challenge that would be related to um, the political space in cambodia because um, the right to food project uh, period was uh, covering in the in the period of the national election and commune election where uh, the political um, environment was so restricted and the uh, 20, um, 2018 national election was a very critical one because uh, we on we almost have only uh, two main leading party, which is the ruling party and opposition party, and uh, the ruling party, they've gone crazy of uh, doing anything to um, Destroyed the uh, opposition party, and most uh, importantly, the view of um, civil society organisation as uh, the supporter to the opposition party. So uh, within that period, we facing a great challenge in terms of um, uh, we are under watchdog of the government in any activity implementation. And not only right to food, but um, land right defender also um, facing a great challenge of under threat from um, authority or the government of engage. Um, Whenever they are doing activity related to land conflict, um, they always been accused as an opposition political uh, member, something like that.
0: And, Saratu, what are challenges you face in your context? Um, for one thing, I mean, our farmers
3: um, in Nigeria for the longest time just haven't really been engaged in the political process. Um, when they've been engaged, it's been through, um, you know, Nigerian politics is very um, identity based. Um, I'm a Muslim. I'm from this part of the country. Therefore, vote for me. You know, it's never really been substantive. Um so, number one, uh, um, having people, you know, is essentially mindset change. Trying to link people's understanding of politics to outcomes is has been, you know, it's been a unique challenge, I think, because it's not the way that our politics usually works here. That's one. Another thing is that um, when you link people in that way, you're trying to change their minds and change their perception um, of politics and the way that they should engage there is a push and pull right on the one hand i like this guy because he's muslim like me and he comes from the north like me but he's not doing anything for my people (laughs) you know and you can see that conflict sometimes when you talk to people because when you give them the tools and the understanding to engage then they have to sit down with that and understand that okay fine it's true When you look at it like this, maybe this other guy is better, but I'm Muslim, you know, but I'm from this part of the country. So I think that conflict is good, really, because we do need people to understand in Nigeria that politics is not just about um, identity. It's about outcomes. It's about the quality of our lives and the impact that this person
2: has on our lives.
0: So as Asisa, we've been talking about challenges. What have been some of the ways that you have dealt with challenges in Cambodia?
2: Uh, well, um, we understand about the civic space and uh, thinking space. So we, together with the partner, have been uh, discuss and update each other regularly to define uh, adaptation strategy in working uh, in this space. For example, like uh, the government have issued. And uh, announcement about what should be the requirement that for NGO to work at a grassroots level or even organize any public forum. So we um, follow the uh, guidance. The uh, yeah the the guidance from the government. Also at the same time, uh, we minimize the uh, number of participation in a national or public event that could be uh, uh, observed by the government. And we also um, keep conduct risk assessment, identify the mitigation strategy to keep uh, Oxfam project staff and partner staff are safe from any uh, inter- intimidation. So we adapt our plan according to um, the uh, guideline of
0: the government and also the access of the risk and mitigate. Um, Saratu, for listeners who are facing similar challenges in their context compared to yours, what tips would you give them to overcome challenges with helping citizens to raise their voice? I guess for me,
3: one of the things that I've learned um, through my work is to identify and work with organizations that are already on the ground doing that work, so that you're not starting your efforts from zero. Um, there are there are always people. It's never, you're never the first one to come to engage with the community, um, you know. And a lot of it really I'm convincing them to to engage in certain ways. So sometimes it's just trust. So you do need to start working with people that already work with the with the group. In question with this, in the states that you're dealing with, and another thing I would say is to under, meet people where they are. <clears throat> what are they comfortable doing? If they don't want to do, you know, a rally, or they don't want to do certain things, would smaller engagements work? <clears throat> you know, would they be willing to sit down with someone um, and talk to them? And maybe as they're growing in confidence, you can have different uh, other kinds of engagements. Um, but you know, I would, I would just say that the only, the good thing about our work is that we're always building on what other people have done in other experiences and learning lessons from what other people have done.
0: So Saratio, I'm happy that you mentioned uh, working with organizations that are already on the ground because I would like to ask you, um, how do you think that those organizations as well as local movements could be connected to the broader network of partners around the world that are helping citizens raise their voice on the right to food?
3: Well, that's where um, lesson learning, people like me, that's as, as, as kind of what we do, where we link them with um, other, with other um, activists and um, people that are doing work elsewhere and they can learn lessons um, from experiences that have happened elsewhere. Um, that's kind of the work. And that also helps to broaden their imagination about what's possible. Um, you know, just like no... Community, no community is necessarily, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's unique things, but you know, the, we know no one, I mean, as long as there's human beings, um people are essentially the same, I think, I, I strongly believe. So you can always learn from other people and you can always learn from other experiences.
0: So you've touched upon it a little bit already, but if there is one major learning from your work so far that you could share with our listeners, what would that main learning be? Our work
3: ties into other things. And we should be very wary about what else. So for example, now I am building, I'm I'm working on, you know, the the work I'm doing, um, I'm learning ties into things like um, open governance, for example, um, improved um, transparency in the budget process. It's not obvious from the beginning when you start out talking about food security and rights to food, but it's completely unremovable when you when you start to do the work, you know, that transparency and broader issues of good governance. Because all the things that we face in food security in Nigeria are all tied to bad governance. And there's no way to improve governance in only one sector. So I would say that the one thing that I've would that i learned is to understand the linkages between my work and, and other things and to improve my awareness of that so that I understand you know um exactly what the root causes are so that we can actually you know um um, attempt for systemic change as opposed to just you know um small palliative things here and there so that's what I would always say you know just um um, being able to have a really broad scope about what exactly your work is meant to do and what is tied to that what is unachievable you know uh, um if you know if 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 I don't address it, so I you know just kind of like making those link linkages, they're
2: very important.
0: All right, thank you so much for sharing. And said, what would be the one learning that you would like to share with our listeners?
2: I would like to share the very important learning for myself, and also um, I think it would be good to add to know too is that um, we should use much of approach. Of, of intervention, especially in terms of policy influencing, the major approach here I'm referring to the soft approach and hard approach of advocacy, and we sh- and those these two approach should be supporting by a very strong evidence based um, um, policy asks and policy analysis. and. Because um, we have a very great result um, from this kind of uh, using with um, influencing our policy advocacy approach by, uh, especially the uh, influencing on the draft law on agricultural land management that we successful uh, to have the government drop the law. And um, the self-approach should be such as direct engagement or lobbying with the government or the policy makers while the hard approach where the um, people, the citizen making voice, speaking to media's and uh, uh, provide facts about um, how the law impact to them as a smallholder farmer. So this kind of intervention approach would be very um, uh, progressive and could have to achieve that uh, policy influencing work.
0: So, Patrick, what are some of your main takeaways from the things Sarad to has said?
1: First of all, I think that while they're both working on promoting the right to food, uh, they work in very different contexts and focus on very different themes. In Nigeria, What we heard is that the main focus is around, for example, farmers' access to agricultural inputs, things like fertilizer and seeds, and also climate information, and especially access to finance, whereas in Cambodia, there's quite a large focus on securing land rights and strengthening land rights. However, there are also some similarities, of course. For example, both of them mention the importance of elections, both in terms of risks and also opportunities.
0: Yeah, I thought that was really interesting because I think Asisa talked about elections more in terms of risks. And I think that makes sense because she works in an environment of narrow civic space. And of course, elections could lead to a loss of power for the ruling government, which means that during those times, especially the government will crack down on those critical of them, which includes CSOs and land rights activists.
1: True, uh, but I think what our guest told us is also that there are quite a few opportunities that come from these elections uh, in that there are a chance for people to raise their voices on issues they find important and to hold elected officials accountable for their track record on those issues.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I think another similarity I noticed is the importance of working with partners and local organizations at grassroots level, not only because those organizations are aware of the local context and needs, but also in the case of Cambodia, because uh, an exchange with local partners can be a way to mitigate risks around shrinking civic space.
1: Definitely. And what we heard from Asisa is, of course, that civil society organizations in Cambodia often face a lot of risk from surveillance and even intimidation of staff members and partners. Uh, And this makes me think of an impact study that our impact measurement and knowledge team worked on with colleagues and partners in Cambodia, focused on this project, that found that in communities where we were active, we were actually able to help citizens keep speaking up and speaking out on land rights and other issues important to them. While in comparison communities where the project was not active, people actually spoke out less and less over time during the duration of the project. And from the challenges that Aziza described to us, I think we can conclude that even holding citizen voice steady over time actually uh, is quite an achievement in a context like this.
0: Definitely, yeah. So what is a major learning for you from our conversation with Aziza and Saratu?
1: Well, I think from Nigeria, it's clear that a lot of the focus has been on improving governance and also policy. Uh, It's clear that the right to food connects to many other policy areas, uh, including, for example, climate change and mitigating uh, the impacts of climate change. In Cambodia, this is true as well, but there it sounds like influencing government policies poses maybe more risk to those engaged in that work and activism. So a major learning there seems to be uh, the importance of deciding on which approach to use, a more hard outsider activist approach, or a more soft insider approach to engaging collaboratively with government and policymakers.
0: Yeah, and I think this is again where the importance of citizens' voice comes in because asisa said that one of the ways to influence government policies is to have citizens raise their voice in for example the media on issues they face. And I think that this shows that citizens raising their voice is crucial for realizing the right to food. A big thank you to our guests today Asisa Man and Sarata Abiola as well as to Ines del Real, Monique van Zel, and Ruben de Winnen. This edition of Impact Talk was brought to you by the Impact Measurement and Knowledge Team at Oxfam Novib. Find out more about our work at oxfamnovib.nl strategic-partnership. Thanks so much for listening.